0: Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're gonna be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button, So you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to Arise and Build a wall around the great state of Missouri. Well, welcome to episode 20 of Arise and Build, and we have a really special guest on with us today. I want to welcome Senator Mike Moon to the podcast. Hey, Jody. Good morning to you. Hey, I'm so glad you could join me, Senator Moon. Um, for those of you who don't know, Senator Moon is in district. What's your district, Senator Moon?
1: Uh, Senate District 29. It includes uh, most of Southwest Missouri, uh, the counties of Lawrence, Barry, McDonald, and Christian.
0: Awesome. That's actually. uh, I feel like that's that's my home. We moved up here from Nixa a few years ago, so I love that part of. I did. Yeah, we did. How about that? Yeah. Um, So I love that part of Missouri. It's really my favorite. If you want to know the truth, Um, but I'm so glad to have you on today. You got something accomplished uh, this session that I'm so thrilled about. Can you share with our listeners uh, what the Safe Act was?
1: Sure. The the SAFE Act stands for Save Adolescents from Experimentation. And uh, your listeners, Jody, may have caught uh, some glimpses and some um, talk about what's happening globally with regard to minor children being encouraged or groomed to change their sexual identity. And uh, one name pops up that many have probably heard of. Her name is Chloe Cole. She's from California and uh Chloe was a young girl age 12 who did rough and tumble activities with her her friends likely or mostly male and um she thought she was a boy because when she looked in the mirror she didn't see the stereotypical picture of what they presented women and girls to be so she went to her parents and told them that uh she must be a boy and they didn't know how to help her so they took her to the medical community and they encouraged her parents to continue this uh, procedure to let her change into a boy. And so long story short, they ended up giving her drugs to uh, change her chemical makeup. And these are poisonous drugs, uh, uh, castrate boys and they will sterilize uh, women and girls. And then at age 13, they removed her breast. Now this is a young girl. And so, in any case, um, after a uh, time, she realized that um, she might not be able to have children because of the chemicals they had injected in her, and because she had no more no more breasts, she wouldn't be able to breastfeed. And these types of things are becoming more prevalent in the United States and even in Missouri. So, because of an Arkansas bill that was filed by Representative Robin Lundstrom, uh and then it was picked up in missouri by former representative Susie Pollack, who on recommendation of her la melissa schmidt um i learned about that started looking into the situation and i filed the same bill in the senate that that same year and so as a result of two to three years of continued um applying pressure talking to folks uh, the Lord allowed us to uh, have success. And it, it wasn't because of my effort, but we had a, uh, a cumulative effort of senators and House members and grassroots activists. And so uh, it was the right time. And the Lord allowed it to happen. And here's something that's extremely interesting, too. This bill uh, is law in Missouri. It was challenged by some uh, liberal activists. And um, just Attorney General Andrew Bailey put together a superb team to defend this in court. And they were the first state in the union who had passed similar bills to successfully defend the bill in court. And uh, so I, I'm really proud of all those who were involved and this is just the first battle. I think we're going to have more skirmishes along the way, but um, it, we're now protecting children from the uh, abuse of the medical community.
0: Right. I was really uh, surprised, uh, Senator Moon, I got involved in in that legislation during this session. And because I did, I was able to meet some people from this community, some uh, people who had been through the transition surgeries, um, you know, gotten the hormone treatments. I met uh, Chloe while she was at the Capitol and um, also the other young lady who came to the Capitol and you'll have to refresh my memory.
1: Luca, Luca.
0: Yes. Luca and I actually had lunch the day that she came. So I spent some time with her. And then I also uh, was able to meet a few other people who, had been to through transition as adults, actually. And even they were in such opposition to these medical procedures being done on children, because they had actually been through it, they understood how difficult it was. Um, Even the people who, you know, we had a few I'm sure you remember the rally that we had uh, at the Capitol. And, you know, we had we had a few people come to speak who had been through transition as an adult. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think that they're they're still happy that they did. Uh, But they very much uh, disagreed that children should be uh, going through this because of Just how very difficult it was. And even they, as adults, didn't fully understand all of the things that they would be going through.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I I heard some of those testimonies that were presented by those who had gone through the transition, and some, like Luca and Chloe, were detransitioning or had begun that process. And uh, Chloe mentioned something to me while we were talking in my office that she stopped these drugs cold turkey. And she said it nearly killed her, mm-hmm. and so that's—I think that's a, a case in point that you're you're poisoning these kids. The results could be permanent sterilization or castration if you're a boy, and um, to get off these things are detrimental physically too, and the emotional harm and all that. Uh, when you combine, this is truly abuse on children, and so I'm I'm really grateful to all those who joined in the effort. Thank you for your work on that. And uh, again, we've got a little bit more work to do. One of the things that was bad in the bill that we were told that if we didn't come to this agreement, uh, we might not be able to uh, reach a quorum. In a quorum, we need 18 senators to show up if that quorum call was made. And uh, it was early in the morning. And uh, that, I think it was a veiled threat the more I look at it now but one of those um, compromises was to put a four-year sunset on the bill, which means that four years from the date of the enactment this year, uh, August 28th of this year, four years from there, uh, then the, uh, the, the law will go away. So we've got to, to work um, feverishly to have that uh, sunset removed. And I think because of some of the... Information that we, we have coming down the pike, I think we can be successful. May not be the first year, but we've got to keep on trying because protecting kids is important enough to do it.
0: Right, right. Well, I appreciate your effort, Senator Ramon. Um, you know, I was actually in uh, Susie Pollock's office a lot the year that she filed the bill and was yeah. at the dinner where, um, you know, Representative Lundstrom came and presented along. I think she had a doctor or two there at, that evening. Yeah and um the research and the information on this topic is really um incredible when you start to learn what's actually happening and um so i agree i'm glad it i'm glad it happened but but we're not finished with the fight yet so we'll stay plugged in but we've taken a big giant leap in the right direction and i really appreciate all your work and your commitment to getting it done
1: yeah i'm I'm grateful and i I won't take all the credit because it's not all mine there's a lot of effort put in it and You know, um, just too many people to name because I don't know them all but uh, grateful for everyone who took part
0: Right, well let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about some of the other things that happened, the other pieces of legislation in this past session in 2023 Um, and one of the things I'd like to talk about I know is one of your particular um, sort of pet peeves and I would say that I agree with you is that uh, we are passing an incredible amount of what I would call omnibus bills or multi-subject bills that are actually unconstitutional. And I believe that because we're passing so many of those, I think I see a few problems with that, but one of them is that I don't believe most of our legislators are actually reading the bills that they're voting on. And the second thing is, That when there's so much in the bill, I understand that you're kind of in a corner. You're kind of danged if you do and danged if you don't as far as your vote goes. Because if you vote yes, you're voting yes to to some bad things that have been crammed in there. But if you vote no, you're voting against some of the good things that we actually would like to see accomplished. So in that way, you're kind of in a corner. You're going to take a bad vote no matter which way you vote. And yet, it really is the legislator's fault that that's happening like that. So they have the ability to control it, and yet they're not. Um, So let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, I understand your your point there. Many bills do begin with something good. Not every one of them, but some do. I'd say the majority do. And then they're amended to the point where they've got a lot of what I refer to as dog poop in them. I I have an analogy. I use dog poop brownies (laughs) where you've got a lot of good stuff in it, but then you have just a handful of dog poop. Would you eat it? I I, I don't think anybody would. And uh, there's another thing, another way to describe it that might make sense, I hope, when you talk about uh, you're danged if you vote for it and danged if you vote against it. What if there was a need in the community? And uh, let, let's just say it's a food pantry and you don't have a storage facility. So um, there's several different ways you could get that facility built. You could, you could raise the money and uh, raise all of it so you don't have any interest on the building. You, you uh, build it and you've got it paid off. That's, that's a good way to do it. You can go out and borrow the money uh, and build it. And then you got interest payments. And some would say that's okay because you're doing good with it. But there's another way you could also go rob the bank Mm -hmm. and then you could build a building and you could justify that by saying, well, we're doing good. But on that last one, someone's been harmed. Right. And until you make restitution, um, the harm is still there. So where's the harm if we vote for a bill that has some dog poop in it? Uh, I reference. The Missouri Constitution, and, and if you have one of the, the light, baby blue-covered mm-hmm. constitutions, if you look on page 20 and 21, it's Article 3, Sections 20 and uh, 21 and 23, but it's on on side, side of the wrong page. It's page 30 and 31. It, it states under uh, the legislative proceedings section, under Section 21, that no bill shall be amended in its passage through either House as to change its original purpose and i had uh, written 16 letters of constitutional objection on bills that were passed this year and I, I could have written more but i picked out the ones that i thought were most egregious and they the violations and I, i'd like to talk about some of those probably in a minute or two but let me go on to article 3 section 23. it says that no bill shall contain more than one subject And that subject should be clearly expressed in its title. And so there are many examples of bills that were started with a uh, particular purpose, but because the amendments were, or their amendments would be added to it, they changed the title so that these amendments would fit under the same umbrella. And so that, they violated the Constitution when that happened. And I've argued points on the floor, both in the House and the Senate, to that effect. Unfortunately, it seems to fall on deaf ears. And so back to your point about being banged if you vote for it and banged if you vote against it, I base my votes partly on the Constitution. And if it violates Article 3, Sections 21 and 23, it's a real easy answer for me to vote against the bill. Yeah, And I'm trying to convince other legislators that they will look for the, through the same lens. But I understand what you said, Jody. Sometimes people are saying, well, my bill or my amendment is in that bill.
0: Right.
1: And, and I've had amendments and bills, and I've gotten up and said, look, my amendment's here. We violated the Constitution, though, and I'm voting against the bill with my amendment in it. So I, I think if we had a coalition of legislators who would say, look... We swore an oath to support this Constitution, and that means something. And I'm going to follow my oath and probably make, I've made many mistakes. We'll make mistakes uh, in the future, too, I'm sure. But if we would have a, a large enough group in the Senate and the House to do that, we could kill some of these efforts. And it would force the leadership to say, well, you know what? We're going to have to really toe the line a little bit better. And so that—that's what I'm hopeful of. One of the thing I'd like to mention about that is some people ask, "Well, what can we as non-elected people do to hold our legislators accountable?" Mm-hmm. Uh, this example may not be perfected, but the way I see it is, and this is true that I work for the voters. Every other legislator does, and uh, I don't think that's going to change. But if I had a business. And um, and I I worked. I'm an employee of the business, and I mess up. Well, is it an employee's responsibility to correct me? Well, maybe if they're a manager, but if we're all equal employees, it's it's not the employee's responsibility. It's the owner of the business, right? And so the the people are the elected. They're the owner the, not the elected. They elect us. They're the owners of the business. So it's it's the the voters' responsibility to keep the employees like me in line and you know as well as i do jody you know how much work work it takes to do what you're doing and uh, most people don't have that bent to do it right but but until we change enough hearts and minds and get people involved enough to at least pay uh, attention so that we know that our legislator introduced poor legislation or they took a wrong vote or they said something on the floor that's anti-liberty or whatever it might be uh, they've got to get involved and um, make noise
0: right and I think that's uh, part of what I hope to do here right is that is to help Missouri citizens uh, learn and understand uh, what's happening present the information in a way they can understand so that they can uh, get involved and use their voice and the thing that kind of uh, brought this particular topic up for me uh, right now in this time is that I and a friend of mine, uh, Lisa Panett, we printed off every single bill that actually passed. You know, there's a lot of people at the Capitol who were there because of their um, their passion uh, project. You know, um, the lobbyists, of course, have their passion projects, but even the grassroots, they they mostly come because they're passionate about about a particular issue. And um, for the last couple of years, I've been um, looking around uh, saying, well, you know, yes, I am passionate about a couple of things, but God didn't really call me to the Capitol based on a particular issue. He just told me to go. And so my question was, I know that they didn't, maybe they didn't pass, you know, the vaccine bill that we wanted, or they did pass SB 51, which was the COVID liability stuff that we didn't want. So I, I've been paying attention to the particular issues, but my question has been, even though they're not primarily doing what we want, what are they doing? What are they actually passing? (laughs) Uh What, what is happening? Because they are passing a lot of stuff so what is it and so this session after session was over uh lisa bless her heart printed every single bill Uh, she read through them first then we sat down and outlined them talked about them and i took all of those and tracked every bill looked up every vote and what i saw when i did that is i created a chart with the votes the final pass votes and you know this that um, this particular session, and I believe it was due to the previous campaign cycle, our Senate leadership did not like the scorecards that were put out in the campaign cycle in 22. And so our majority floor leader um, did a really great job of protecting the senators from taking uh, votes. A lot, most of our votes this session were voice votes which means we can't really hold individuals responsible for their vote until that final pass vote. So when we look at the final pass votes, what I began to see was that most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, all the Democrats and the Republicans were voting together the same way. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) Why would that be like, why would we be voting with the Democrats? Even some of our conservatives voting the same way as the Democrats. And it's because of these multi-subject bills. So inside of these multi-subject bills, you've got language that the Democrats have filed, especially, my gosh, in the education um, legislation. They're, I mean, that's kind of a big one that I remember. But even in other areas, Mm -hmm. The Democrats are getting their language passed, but they're getting them inside of these (laughs) multi-purpose bills, these multi-subject bills, and the bill sponsor has a Republican name on it, so the Democrats Mm -hmm. aren't really getting credit for that, but their language is passing inside of it. So you've got Democrats voting yes and Republicans voting yes because there's so Mm -hmm. much stuff in there that, like— Just like what you said a few minutes ago, you know, your amendments in there or whatever your language is in there. So they vote yes, even though it's an unconstitutional bill. And then when we have a a slate of votes where everybody's voting the same, how in the world do the voters actually hold people responsible other than to say we have a process problem? The process isn't right. And someone needs to stand up for the process.
1: Mm hmm yeah well i i think part of the process is just accountability to um the oath that we swore and until we have enough folks like you jody and uh, lisa and there there are a handful of others who are preaching the uh the concept of look you 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 got to do what's right and whether your piece of, of legislation is in an omnibus bill or a part of a, another package in a bill, um, if it's unconstitutional, you've got to support your oath and vote against the bill. Yeah. And uh, so I, I don't know what more can be done except just get more people involved right. and, uh, and then put the pressure on. There, there's a group, let me just uh, put a shout out for a group called FACL. Foundations for Applied Conservative Leadership. I don't know that I understand uh, all that they do, but one of the things that they are good at is uh, teaching people how to hold legislators account- accountable, and that's through legislative pain or political pain. Uh, we, we don't like to be called out in public, right. and we don't like to have ads put out against us or uh, opposition mailers. So that's what, what gets the attention of a legislator. So if you know someone who's doing something that is wrong, not just that you don't believe them, but it's, if it's actually wrong, you've got to do things that get their attention. And if it takes unelecting them, that's what we got to do.
0: Right. I agree. So let's talk. We don't have time. I mean, there's too many to talk about all of them. But let's just talk <laughs> about a couple of examples so that maybe people who aren't as familiar uh, with the topic might understand. So what would be one of the bills? I know I have one in mind, but what would be one of the um, examples that you could give of, you know, passing multi-subject bill that's unconstitutional?
1: Let me just go to one that um, I, I wrote a, a constitutional objection letter this year. I wrote several. Uh, one of those was on Senate Bill 70, it ended up with the title of house committee substitute for senate substitute for senate committee substitute for senate bill 70. so you know they had a lot of different uh, iterations and there were several places they made changes even in a committee and this bill had an original purpose that was solely relating to the counseling interstate compact and for those of you who aren't really familiar with compacts it's um uh, uh, and state-to-state to state agreement, all the 50 uh, of the several states could say, look, you know, we've got a problem in this particular case with um, mental health counselors. And each state may have criteria that is required to get a license to practice in their state. And so because there is a need for them across uh, the United States, uh, Missouri wants to join other states and say, look, we will set aside the requirement, that you have to come in and take tests and set before boards and all that to get your license to practice in Missouri? will you do that the same in your state. And so that's what this bill was about. I agreed with it. I thought it was something that that was necessary. Well, what happened, though, was as this bill was going through the House and then other committees in the Senate, um, the bill's title was changed to Relating to Professional Counselors. So get the change here. The the original purpose was related to counseling interstate contact. And I gave that explanation already. The title was changed to relating to professional counselors. That umbrella just grew a little bit. Now, it's still close, but it's not the same. And if you look at the, uh, the Constitution, Section 21, we've changed the original purpose. So with that purpose change and the title change, we added things. I say we collectively um, with health profession grants and loans, prescription labeling requirements. Now that one in itself is like you're you're way out of bounds. Now we had physical therapist language in there, physician assistants, social workers, opioid overdose Opioid overdoses, and uh, that's a Let me slow down. Opioid overdoses and fentanyl testing. And then, are you all sitting down? Tattooing. And in my letter, I wrote, tattooing? Well, I guess tattoo artists like cosmetologists offer a certain amount of counseling to their clients. <laughs> so of course, that's, that's absurd. And so, so just considering this amendment alone, the bill exceeded the original purpose. So why... In the world, when anybody, and I'm talking to conservatives here, so if you're in the conservative caucus in Missouri and you voted for this trash, tell me why. I I just don't get it. And and guys, you're my friends. I really enjoy hanging out with you guys. And I'm talking to the conservative caucus, and why would you vote for this? Why why wouldn't anybody put their name on this trash? And then why would any other senator? And why would any other House member vote for this garbage, knowing full well that it's anti-constitutional? So it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, I, and I'm and I'm getting passionate about this because I've got one year left in the Senate. If I don't get reelected, this is my last hurrah here. And even if I do, it's four more years after that. But I'm so dang tired of... Conservatives, especially. I'm talking to my comrades in arms here. Conservatives coming together and saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna kill this sludge. We're gonna do what's right for Missouri." And then we vote for crap like this. Right. I don't. I don't get it. I, and I'm I'm really becoming angry at all this stuff. And it's like, do I have to caucus by myself? Right. Because because I go to the Republican caucus and we don't talk about anything except what the priorities are and you know what the the leadership wants to get through and you talked about the majority floor leader protecting the the votes well that's partly my fault and any other senator who wants people to go on record I should have been standing up more and saying let's have a roll call and they don't like it and you know why they don't like it is because they're usually on the wrong side right so and that's where listeners this is where you have an opportunity like none other you can Just take a look at some of these things and know that we're doing wrong because we're affecting your liberty and your freedom. Mm -hmm. And if you're not paying attention, someday you're not going to have any liberty or freedom. So you got to get involved at least enough to know what we're doing and then hold us accountable to our oath. And folks, if we don't do what you want, unelect us. It takes work to unelect an incumbent, but you can do it. And I'll be right there with you.
0: Right. Well, I think you know that I agree. I I have my favorites, right? And you're you're among the favorites. We have some great conservative senators. We have some great conservative representatives. But in this particular area, uh, most everybody I believe is failing, and um, I don't like that they're passing things that are unconstitutional. And honestly, I wish we had a governor who would say, "Listen." I'm not going to sign it if it's unconstitutional. Right. Um, we obviously don't have that, but um, I wish that we did. And I do love, like I said, I, I really do love and I have compassion for um, the situation. It's it's a really tough job that you guys have. And I know that. And I know when you get put in situations, um, you know, where either either vote is a bad vote. But I think at the end of the day, The correct vote is to uphold the Constitution, and the correct vote is to protect the people first and foremost. I really believe we could go for probably five or ten years and not pass much of anything, and we'd probably be better off uh, than passing, you know, 35 or 40 bills. You know, Senate leadership loves to blame the conservatives because we didn't get anything done. They want for you to think that, they want for the people to think that, the conservatives held everything up and nothing got accomplished. Well, the truth is there were 40 bills outside of the budget bills that passed. And inside of those 40 bills were hundreds of statutes that were affected. Um, you know, it, it, it is not the truth that they didn't do anything. They did a lot. And a lot of it, in fact, I would say most of it was harmful.
1: I don't disagree with you, Jody. I think you're spot on. And that's why it's important that uh, we have many, many eyes on us. Because if you if you give me a little uh, leeway and I do something that I think, hey, this is going to be a test here, and I take a little further than I should have, and you don't yank that choke chain back, guess what? Next time I'm going to go a little further. Right. Uh, it's just, It's just human nature. It's not that we're... Um, intentionally seeking election so that we can see how we can pull the wool over the, the, the voters' eyes. That's not the way it is. But um, there are lots of things that happen, lots of promises made, lots of um, temptations. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this is really a nice place to be. <laughs> but it, should, it shouldn't be that way. Right. And, uh, I, I'm just begging y'all uh, to to do your due diligence. You hired us. Now you got to make sure that we stay on task.
0: Right. Well, I appreciate you, Mike. It's probably time for us to wrap up here, but I'd love to have you back sometime. I enjoyed our conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And I think the more educating we do, the better off we'll be. So thank you for your time. And uh, let me know if I can do anything for you.
1: You're welcome, Jody. Just keep on hammering away.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope you found it beneficial and valuable. I'd really encourage you in the next few days to pick up your Bible and grab the practical tools you need to arise and build. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the blog at JodyGrace.com. I'll see you soon.